as a W-2 employee, investing in real estate, there's a lot of tax deductions in real estate, but you mm-hmm. can't reduce your W-2 income with those real estate tax deductions right. due to the way it's characterized in the tax code. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full-time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome back, my Great to Wealth listeners. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce to you Mark Livingston. He's a good friend of mine. He has been in the same mastermind as that I am. Mark, welcome aboard. Hey, Socket. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, man. Thank you. Now, your story is very powerful. So I thought, just like me, someone who's in the transition to from W-2 to financial freedom and then active syndicator. So like, you know what, maybe my listeners don't listen to my story that much, but hopefully your story resonates better with them. So we'll see. Well, maybe it's just different. There you go, man. So hey, Mark, we um, start the show with a little bit different. We want to, instead of going through an introduction, formal introduction, what we'll essentially do is we'll try to understand your migration story. And the story that I'm sure you have multiple migration stories. The story that I really want you to focus on, Mark, is your journey from when you realized that you needed passive income to now that you've established a passive income, looking to hopefully quit sometime soon here. Just focus on that journey. If you can help the listeners give a little bit of perspective on that, that'd be great. Sure. So the moment where I started to figure out that I needed passive income was when I got divorced back in 2011. I'd been married to this lady for a long time. We have two kids together, two great kids. We still get along, but we realized we'd fallen out of love, you know, so we ended up getting divorced. And I sat back in my house that I just bought for myself, really the first time I was living by myself since college. And I was 48 years old at the time. I realized I had very little savings. We had done a very bad job of preparing for retirement and preparing for college education for our kids financially. So I think we just kept thinking, you know, our incomes are going up. We'll be fine, you know, but now it's a different story. So that was really the turning point. I started talking to a lot of people and eventually somebody turned me on to a book and that book is Multiple Streams of Income by Robert Mm -hmm. Allen. Yeah. That opened my eyes to all these ways that you could create passive income, you know, kind of work once, keep getting paid for a long time afterwards. And that just started the journey for me. You know, then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and some of his other books and started following podcasts. And I didn't really take much action other than education for the first few years there. But by about 2015, I was married to my second wife already and talking to her a lot about it and told her, I was like, I think I need to form an LLC. I think I need to start investing and basically got started from there. Got her buy-in, you know, that she'd support me, whatever I wanted to do. And that's really how it got started. Very interesting story, right? Kind of like, of course, not a straight line, like anyone else's story. A lot of ups and downs, more downs than the ups. I'm sure that's what it felt like when you were going through that. If you don't mind, and I'm sorry to bring you back to that painful time, but if you go back to the time when you were were thinking about not having enough savings for retirements, for college kids, for college for kids and all that good stuff, 
what was the major emotion that you can reflect upon? Was it fear? Was it concern? Was it, what was it? I don't know if you recall that. Yeah, I think it was fear. So mm-hmm. I live in Houston, Texas, and, you know, homeless is a big problem now. But even back then, there were homeless people. And what I used to say to my wife now that I have, you know, we were dating at the time, I said, I don't want to live under a bridge. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got to do something. And I said, the path I'm on right now is that if I ever quit working, I'm going to be living under a bridge. And right. so I think fear was the main emotion that was driving me in the beginning. So how did you turn that emotion into, I mean, fear could usually have two outputs of fear, right? Somebody like you who takes charge of it and makes something out of it, or somebody gets so debilitated that they don't know where to, where to put their next step. How did you yeah. deal with fear? Well, I'm more of the take action. I'd start doing something about it. I don't let emotions or those types of things control my life. I don't want to ever feel like I'm a victim of something else. You know, I put myself in that position. You know, I'm the one yeah. who had to solve it. You know, my dad always taught me, you know, that you can always work your way out of any kind of problem. So help me now in a sense. So you figured out a problem that you have a problem of not enough savings or not enough funds for college education. What was your immediate step? Like you won't be able to find that book randomly. Right. So how did you discover that book? Help us through that process. Well, I was talking to the guy that I worked for at the time, you know, and I think we were just having a casual conversation about other ways to make money while we also had our W-2 job, you know, Mm -hmm. and this wasn't like the only person I'd ever talked to. I probably was talking to everybody, you know, just talking about, hey, here's what I'm looking for, you know, what can we do? What can I do? Any ideas, you know? And he was the one who mentioned Robert Allen's book. And so I immediately bought it and started reading it. And that was just the eye-opening place for me, you know, is when I started reading that book. But the action was really just start talking to everybody. I didn't cover up what was the problem for me. That doesn't do any good to kind of keep it to yourself. Correct. So now you also said that it took you a while to take an action. And is that because you're trained to know a lot before you act? Or was it something else that was holding you back? I think it wasn't, although it was eye-opening when I read the book, I felt like I needed more information. I didn't have a direction that I wanted to go. You know, in that book, I I believe he talks about like 10 different streams of income that you can create. I, I think the newer version has even more. Yeah, maybe so. And, you know, I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of things I could do. Which one is me? Which one should I start with? You know, so it was a little bit more of, hey, let me read some more books. That's when I really started getting into books and then podcasts. And then, you know, you hear a lot of people talk on podcasts about different books that have motivated Mm -hmm. them. So my library was growing really fast. And I mean, today I probably even still have more books on the shelf to read than I have right. read because One I day. just keep collecting books. Yeah. <laughs> One so, day you'll yeah. get to them. Right. So now now help us get to that point. So you got you found your mentors through book. You found yeah. your motivation through books. And you continued that path for a few years. What was the trigger point for you to act? Like what changed? Because at some point you realized enough reading. I need to mm-hmm. act. 
And I don't know if you remember that trigger point, because and the reason I'm asking this question is a lot of our audience, including myself, we want to know a lot before we act, but there's good enough or complete unknown, right? And then yeah. expertise. And, but there are different timeframes and the cost to be paid for each level of that, right? So what state were you in? I don't know what really was the trigger that got me to first start to act on doing something. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think what I've always heard, you know, one of the podcasts I was listening to was Robert Kiyosaki's podcast. Mm-hmm. And he always talks about just start doing stuff. You know, you're never going to know all the answers. Just start doing stuff and you learn so much from doing stuff and making mistakes and figuring it out as you go. And so finally in talking to my wife, it's like, I just got to pick something and try it. Right. And so the first concept that I heard about on a podcast that I thought was interesting to try was, I think you call them sandwich leases or something like that, you know, where you Mm -hmm. lease a house to buy, but then you lease it to somebody else on a lease to buy with a spread in the middle. And so I tried that for about six months and I just, it didn't really fit with me, but that was a learning experience, right? I figured out, okay, there's one thing off the list. I don't need to worry about doing that now. Today, maybe that would be different, but that's the way it was back then. And then on another podcast, I heard these guys that go by the land geek and how they buy land and sell land on terms. And I thought, well, I could do that. And you don't need much dollars to get started. Mm-hmm. And they were having a meetup in San Antonio, which only a couple hour drive from me. So I went to it and definitely was very interested. And I actually did that for several years. And that's evolved a lot since then. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not as active in it as, as I used to be, but I still do a lot of that too. But that was the first real success that I was having was yeah. basically trading land, you know. But you didn't end up picking real estate. It seemed like that's the theme over the first two, at least the first opportunity was real estate. The next one was real Real estate. Real estate was my first direction to go. Well, just because everybody talks about real estate and how it can be so passive, right? And there's so many different categories of real estate to choose from, right? right? You know, and, you know, I think it's just, that's what I always heard about. So that's where I started. That's not where yeah. I am today, but we can get to that. Yeah, no, definitely. So let us feel like, so what was it to take that plunge into action? How different was it for the last two, three years? Of uh, It seemed like from the day you decided you want to do something about it, you spent a few years learning about it, and then you acted. Yeah. What felt different to you, and what would you do different? Um. So what I did do was as soon as I went to that conference with them and basically thought, okay, I can do this. I signed up for their one-on-one coaching because one of the things that works for me really well is having coaches and accountability and somebody you can ask any kind of question right away. I've never been the type of person who says, oh, I got to figure it all out for myself. I know There's millions of people that know way more about how to do stuff than I do. And Mm. I'd rather just learn it from somebody who's already done it. Correct. You know, and then I'm willing to spend some money to do that and make that investment in that education. So that's what I did with the Land Geek program and built up that business. I never built it up to where I could fully live off of it, but I had pretty good income coming in. But I started getting exposed 
exposed to other things and started to a little bit grow tired of the land business, as I call it. But the returns are so good. And that's why I still do that. What I started to learn after a couple of years was that the people who are really good at it run out of money to invest. Mm. And so they're looking for money to from investors to help their business grow. And I thought, and I had some money saved. So I thought, so I tried investing with them. We split the profits and that's what I still do today. I still network with a lot of those guys who are really good at, you know, moving land and when they need money and I know how good they are, I'm happy to invest with them and be an investor with them, but I don't do it actively myself anymore. Got it. So now you got to, you went through the journey from there, I know actively what you do right now. Maybe we'll talk about that. What do you do now? So you try to feel okay. real estate, but you also mentioned that you don't do real estate much of real estate today. Yeah. What is your so, active source of passive investing and active investing? Yeah. So now I'm primarily focused on things related to the oil and gas industry. Okay. But how did I get there? About the time that I was realizing I could invest with other land guys, I went to a conference that the real estate guys host called Secrets of Successful Syndication. I'd heard them mm-hmm. talking about it on their podcast and I thought, I need to go see what this is about. And that, what I learned at that conference, which I know you've been to as well, mm-hmm. and my realization that I could invest with these land guys who are really good at it, passively, I started thinking, oh, okay, I'm a finance kind of guy. This all makes a lot of sense. This is the niche that I need to be in, in this whole scheme of developing, you know, passive income and investing world and all that stuff. And so I started going down that road, working with their coaching program to learn more about how to do that. And while I was doing that is when I became exposed to other things that people are raising money for. One in particular was CO2 scrubbing equipment. And we don't need to go into detail there, Mm -hmm. but it's related to natural gas production. And I was still working. I still am today, although I'm on the short list there. Yeah, Mark, I want to qualify short list by choice. (laughs) Yes, exactly. By choice. And we can talk about that at some point here. But what I was learning was that as a W-2 employee, investing in real estate, there's a lot of tax deductions in real estate but you Mm -hmm. can't reduce your W-2 income with those real estate tax deductions due to the way it's characterized in the tax code. Mm -hmm. However, investments related to oil and natural gas production are completely the opposite. The tax code says you can be completely passive, but we're going to count it as active. And if you have deductions or losses, you can offset your W-2 income with that. And so this investment with CO2 scrubbers, I thought, oh my gosh, I need to invest in that because I not, I get a payback immediately when I reduce mm-hmm. my taxes. And then it had really good cash flow. And so that's where I was starting to go was to invest in that. Now, when I started talking to that syndicator who was raising capital for that asset over several months, learning more and more because I don't just jump into any investment. I feel like I need to learn who the people mm-hmm. I'm partnering with. He realized how much I knew about the energy industry already and asked me to start co-syndicating some funds with him, with that particular asset. So not only do I invest in those myself with my own money, which creates passive income, but now I've started to syndicate some of those. And that was the first type of investment that I syndicated with other investors' money. 
And it was nice because I had somebody who had already done it that I was partnering with and he could help me get started. So I wasn't, yeah. again, not doing it on my own, finding people who can I can learn from and get better at through their experience. I love that. And you said this is how you started, but you also added other things in your portfolio right now, correct? Yeah, there's a few other things, little things that I've found that I really like that I've invested passively and completely passively. There's another one that I'm working on right now as a syndicator, completely different partners, nothing related to CO2 scrubbing, but it is related to natural gas production. And with those partners, we're going to buy a natural gas field. And the reason we're going to buy it is because it has very high concentrations of helium mixed with the gas. And we want to build the structure and all the equipment so that we can extract that helium and sell it because it's a lot more valuable than natural gas. My God, Mark, from doing being a land flipper to talking about <laughs> helium extraction. Wow, man, that's yeah. a journey. And, that's and, definitely a journey. And buy, it, and buy it. It's even hard to conceive, but we are buying a big natural gas field, 50,000 acres of rights, over 140 producing wells. You don't play small. Today. No, yeah. So some people say go big or go home. I go guess big or we're go going home. big on this one. We're going to go bigger, man. We're going to go bigger. So Mark, yeah. help us understand, right? So it seemed like energy, you found the um, oil and gas accidentally. Mm -hmm. Was there a tax problem that you were trying to solve? Because I know you mentioned that the tax losses in real estate you not being a rep at that point, I'm assuming real estate professional yeah. status or some of our investors may not be, you can't really offset the active income. Was there a tax problem you're actively looking to solve and oil and gas happened to be the solution for that? Or you were not even looking to solve that problem? I wasn't originally looking to solve that problem, but once I saw it, I realized how valuable it is to go ahead and try to solve that problem. Yeah. So while all this was going on over the last 10 years or more in my W-2 career, I progressed to a couple of new companies where I was basically an executive level at the company. And that's where I still am today and realized how much income tax I was paying. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just incredible to think about it, especially when you look back. I was talking to some guys the other day and I said, yeah, I remember when used to think that was a great salary and now it's how much you pay in taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I wasn't particularly looking for it, you know, because I think when you're paying those taxes from your W-2, you're making sure you're making withdrawal, you know, it's getting Correct. withheld, it's getting paid in. So you don't end up with a big tax bill at the end you of the year. You don't feel the pain. Like, oh, no. Yeah. You don't feel a pain as much. Yeah. But when you suddenly realize, oh, I don't have to pay that oh, I can get rid of the tax so much that I can change my withholding to zero now. Right. That's really eye-opening, you know. Well, that's awesome. So how do you feel about this journey right now, Mark, where you are? Right? Kind of like, of course, and I'll let you share where the, kind of like how you're thinking about it because I know a lot more about your details than I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing on the podcast. So I want to be careful. So where do you see this journey going, right? So kind of like, is this going to become eventually a full-time for you? Where do you see this going? Yeah. So let's start with the W-2. So in the last few months, I've talked to the company I'm working for about retiring from there. And awesome. I've set a target at the end of March, 2024. So as of today, we're a little about 11 months away from that. Congratulations. Uh, I wanted to give, yeah, thank you. I wanted to give them a long runway to prepare for it. 
Yeah. So, you know, we've found somebody who has the opportunity to succeed me. She's the most qualified in the company at this time, but she still has to earn it. You know, there's mm-hmm. still a little bit more to do. And I wanted to make sure we had enough, you know, lead time for her to be able to yeah. do that. And for the other executives to get used to the idea that there would be a change, right? I want to leave a really good feeling with my current employer and maybe even a legacy, if you want to call it that. But I don't want to leave suddenly. I don't want to leave them in a bad way. It's been a great company to work for. And I really love everybody I work with there. It's great. It's just that I want to move on. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this stuff, you know, from an employee standpoint for over 35 years. So what's next is I really like the idea or the concept of raising capital, working with investors, helping them see how these different types of investments can create passive income for them. And that's what I like doing, but I don't want to do it full time. I want to spend time with my wife. We want to travel. You know, I want to have more time off, you know. So what I see is, you know, maybe I'm spending 20 hours a week on this business. Maybe some weeks when we're at home, that's 40 hours, but then maybe there's weeks off, you know, where we're traveling or doing other things, you know, but uh, we belong to a tennis club here in town. You know, I'd like to be able to spend more time playing tennis, more time playing golf, you know, not having to be at work and working, you know, 50 hours a week. My God, Mark, man, as you know, as one of our mentor, Robert Helms says, your music is so clear. I can just feel it that I don't know if this is what you dreamt of, but this sounds amazing. I could see us all doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a little bit more to it too. That's just the next steps for me. What my wife and I ultimately want to do is be able to create more passive income than we need Mm -hmm. and use that money to build a charitable foundation to support the causes that we'd like to support and really get it set up and created and funded during our lifetime such that it can last longer than we will be here on earth. My God, Mark, this is an awesome journey. I, I want to reflect on your journey for a second here because I want to reflect back on 2011 from that individual who was emotionally hurt and also financially insecure because the mm-hmm. fear of living under the bridge to now talking about having more money than they could possibly use and spinning off a whole charitable contribution, a foundation that's self-sustainable through the investments. It's an amazing journey. When you reflect back on this journey, Mark, how do you feel about it? Kind of like, because you have now, not you were not a victim, you're not a victim ever, because it seemed like that's not your mindset to begin with, but you were under a lot of stress, I'm assuming, to now you can see you have built a path for yourself to be free. How do you feel about it? I feel really good. You know, most of the time we spend looking at today or looking forward at what we've got to do next, but it does, I think it's very worthwhile to look back every so often at what you've mm-hmm. already achieved, you know, and I have done a little, probably a little more of that in the last few months than I have yeah. in recent years. And I feel really good about what I've done, you know, and where things are going and, I feel good about, you know, my goals or my plans. I should say that, you know, it's any goal is goals are just wishful thinking. They're really actionable when you actually put a plan to it. And that's what I've really been trying to focus on is put plans together 
to accomplish this stuff, you know, and even with the charitable goal that we have, what I already do is I take when my company earns money, I'm talking about my personal company Mm -hmm. through the syndications that I've already done immediately the first 10% of the revenue, not 10% of the bottom line, but 10% of the revenue goes straight into a charity account and that money is used for charitable giving. And I already look at it and I'm like, wow, we're already giving away so much more money than we ever have in our life. Right. You know, no, that that's an amazing, and I'm sure that's really what, what makes this life worth living. Right. Because when I, Tony Robbins talks about it, if you've never felt happiness in your life, start giving. Because that is the joy that we all feel of contributing to somebody else's life and changing somebody's trajectory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's and awesome. with retirement, hopefully I can also start giving more time to those, that's awesome. those other charities that we're supporting now. Mark, I love this journey, man. I really want our listeners to reflect on that. If you feel stuck in your W-2 or you feel stuck in your current financial situation, there is a path out. Now, your path may look very different from Mark or mine or somebody else's on the podcast, but you got to figure out your own path. But as fear could have debilitated Mark, now, thankfully, lucky for him, he grew up in a household where the victim mentality was not even an option for him. But that some of you may be suffering that right now, right? Some of you may be feeling that and you're feeling that you're helpless. You're not helpless. There are podcasts like this and others and people like Mark are available. I'm available to have a conversation. And if we can move you an inch forward, use us as a resource. With that, Mark, we're coming towards the end of our show. I want to ask you two last questions. One question is reflecting back in your life. If you were to go back to your 20-year-old self, what are two or three key insights you would want to share with that individual to make their path in life more intentional? Hmm. I think about that often, and I'm not exactly sure what the right advice is because the way that I gained knowledge about passive income and what I wanted to do came about through the ease of finding books and mm-hmm. podcasts. And, you know, back then podcasts didn't exist. Right. Amazon didn't make it, wasn't there to make it so easy to find books. You had to go to the bookstore and search, but let's put that aside. I think what I would tell myself is constantly talk to people about and ask questions. What are the people that are in the wealth class? What did they do? How did they get there? Because if you really look back, most of them didn't get there by being an employee. So what did they do to get there? And what do they do now to preserve their wealth and continue Mm -hmm. to grow it? Because I think the things that those people do are what I'm starting to do now. But instead, it took me well over 50 years to learn that. Yeah. You know, because it didn't open my eyes. I always just thought, oh, everybody gets a job, you know, and you work your way up, which I've been very successful as an employee, but it wasn't going to make me wealthy. Correct. Correct. No, I agree. That's a very valid question. I think someone could, one could argue, where do you find these people or where do you find these learnings? I think nowadays, lucky for all of us, there's so many resources available, like YouTube yeah. has a bunch. Everyone's sharing. Everyone has a voice. You just got to look for it. 
Yeah, and that's today a, that's a recommendation. Is, it's so much easier today to find information, find what you what can help you. Yeah. You know, it's just from that perspective, I think the next generations have a lot of benefits that we didn't have, you know, when I was Correct. 20. One last question, Mark. What is your wish and desire for humanity to migrate towards? Stop being controlled by elites. Mm. So well, that's uh, that's another podcast in itself, man. <laughs> exactly. We don't need to go too deep on that, but I just think I think our elected officials don't really do work for us the way the founding fathers of the U.S. envisioned this. I think there is a lot of really wealthy people in the world that are trying to control all the politicians too. So I'm not right. saying having wealth is all a good thing because I think some people don't use it in the best way. Correct. So that would be my goal for humanity is to stop being a victim of what other people are doing. Stop being controlled, you know, by other people. My God, my, I think, this is... yeah, I think most ahead, people don't really realize that they are being controlled. They don't. It's easy to live a life that you've been told to live. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all yeah. know that to break, just to break out of W2, it's not something that's natural. It's very natural, yeah. but we have to relearn that skill, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, Mark, you've added a lot of value to my listeners, man. So if somebody wants to reach, reach out to you to learn more about what you do, I'm assuming there's not a lot of, um, I, don't, I don't think we've ever brought a helium person on our show. If they want to learn about your funds, about what you do, where can they find you? Well, we created uh, an email for this podcast that people can use to reach out to me. It's migrate to wealth at match real asset partners. So the migrate to wealth is just the way the podcast is spelled with a number two in there. My company is match real asset partners. So again, the email, just send it to migrate to wealth at match real That'll get you in touch with me. You'll be given information on the funds that we do and how you can get a hold of me. You'll end up getting my email address and how to set up calls with me. And that's how you can find me. That's awesome. Mark, this is so seamless. You're very structured. I love this email concept. I may want to use it for myself. This actually makes things so simple. It does. Even if you're driving a car right now, you can use voice commands to send an email. So you don't even have to yeah. stop the car. If you, but Correct. You know, if you're going to type it, probably need to stop the car before you get it out and start typing. Hopefully you do. And we would recommend you yeah. stopping the car before you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Mark, hey, thanks a lot. Kudos to all the stuff that you've done, man. Congratulations for your, your success. And I'm actually looking forward to celebrating your success at the next event at Real Estate Guys. Yeah, sounds great. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Saki. Perfect, man. Thank you again. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.